If you enjoy podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Better with Dr. Erica, hosted by Dr. Erica, provides support and guidance in navigating stress-related challenges to transform your relationship to self-care. Each episode arms you with the tools needed to be better, do better, and live better. There was an incredible episode that you should check out called Touch and Connections as Tools for Healing and Better Mental Health. In this episode, her guest breaks down ways to use physical touch as a form of healing for trauma and grief. Check out Better with Dr. Erica on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com. Hey there, leading ladies. Welcome to the Women Physicians Lead Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Lisa Herbert, a two-time best-selling author, speaker, family physician, and executive leadership coach with over 20 years experience of providing primary care and serving as a healthcare leader. If you are a woman physician ready to make a change in your career and have a seat at the leadership table, then you are in the right place. I'm excited to provide you with the crucial skills you need to be a successful leader and strategies to deal with workplace challenges. So put on your headphones and listen as we explore the new world of building women physician leaders. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Women Physicians Lead Podcast. So I'm excited to be bringing you this podcast today from Miami, Florida. I have had the privilege of attending the National Medical Fellowship's 75th gala anniversary, and I'm interviewing some amazing, amazing people who are here to celebrate NMF, who have been involved with NMF, and who also have taken the time out to share their story. So my guest today is Joelle Burvell, and Joelle is um, an NMF scholar, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about his background, and then we're going to get into some great questions and learn a little bit more about him and his background in uh, NMF and also in medicine. So Joelle Burvell is a Ghanaian-American medical student at Washington State University, Elson S. Floyd College of Medicine. In 2017, Joel graduated from Yale University, where he earned a BA in Molecular Cellular Developmental Biology. At Washington State University, Joel served as Medical Student Council President, the co-founder and president of a chapter of the Student National Medical Association, and the founder and director of the Cool Health Academic Mentoring Program called CHAMP. Online, Joelle is better known as the medical mythbuster. He is committed to fighting health disparities in medicine through education and regularly shapes topics about racial disparities, the hidden history of medicine, and biases in healthcare and other industries on his TikTok and Instagram platform at Joelle Bravel, where his platforms have over 500,000 plus combined followers and 100 million plus impressions. So I'm excited to bring um, Joel to the podcast today, learn a little bit more about his story and um, get into uh, really what, what he's passionate about. So welcome, Joel. Thanks so much for having me. Yes, absolutely. So thinking about your you know, career, as, as we can start to you know, really talk about that, thinking about your journey in terms of you deciding that you wanted to go into medicine and now kind of embracing this research part of medicine. 
who or what may have been instrumental in that decision? I think a lot about the crucible moments in my life that led me kind of to the to the place I am right now. These huge moments in my life that pushed me into medicine. Um, but really, it started with my parents. So my parents are both from Ghana, West Africa. They grew up there. And when they moved to the United States and had my older sister, myself, and my younger brother, we were told we could be one of three things, either a doctor, an engineer, or a lawyer. <laughs> and so kind of had that in my mind. I was like, I'm going to be one of these three. Um, for a long time, I thought I wanted to be a lawyer. Um, I loved law shows. And then I was like, you know, maybe it's not for me. And then I wanted to be a vet. But my mom's like, if you want to be a vet, why don't you be a doctor then? And so I kind of had that ingrained in my mind all the time growing up. But as I was um, getting older, I had multiple kind of run-ins with the healthcare system. The first was through my grandma, who took care of my siblings and I for a long time when we were growing up. When my parents were at work trying to get a better life for my, my siblings and I, my grandma would be the, ones, well, the one taking care of us. Um, but she ended up going back to Ghana when we were in middle school and old enough to take care of ourselves. And she actually passed away within a year um, from malaria. And the story was that when she got to the hospitals of rural village, they had expected her to bring her own IV and tubes to actually be able to help her. The delays in care, this kind of like the lack of the necessary supplies were things that led to her ultimate demise. So that was one of my first experiences, both with the healthcare system, um, but also with health equity on a global perspective at that point. But it had a huge impact in the way that I saw um, kind of the healthcare system. And the second was um, a close personal uh, connection to my sister who um, has her own chronic medical condition and having to go in and out of hospitals and seeing how long it took for her to get diagnosed with her condition as well were things that shocked me about the healthcare system. I think we don't often think about healthcare until it hits us in a personal way. Um, but those were the things that for me led me into medicine. And from there, um, I did an internship as a high school student at Seattle Children's Hospital and I jumped headfirst into medicine. Wow, that's a really inspiring story. And I think that um, a lot of what you shared has a common thread, right, to a, to a lot of us who decide to um, go down the path of going into medicine. There's some personal tie to it, some personal story, um, whether it was someone in our family, you know, who was impacted by the healthcare system, or whether it was someone who sort of brought us in and mentored us, you know, there's been this personal tie and connection to bringing us in. And then I think behind that also is wanting to really make a change, right? To see, to see things done a little differently. <clears throat> so in terms of where you are now and what you do as uh, a student of research, if I can say that, or you'll explain mm -hmm. that a little bit to us, what does your day look like? What are some of the things that you're you know, asked to do? What are some of the challenges you face? Um, and what does that journey look like for you right now? Absolutely. So I think my day to day looks very different from the, the average medical student and already average medical students far from average, as you know, medical school is very different depending on the rotation you're on, etc. Um, but one of the things I've taken up is using social media to talk about healthcare disparities and educate people online about how these things exist. And to kind of start off that story, I have to go back two years ago to the COVID pandemic. Um, during, in 2020, I think like many other people, we went entirely online virtual for my school. And so I was at home a lot thinking and having being able to look at my curriculum, studying on my own. Um, at the same time, there was a lot of issues in the zeitgeist overall and the political atmosphere going on with George Floyd, 
and Ahmed Aubrey and Brianna Taylor. And I was thinking a lot about my place as a black man in medicine um, and also like recognizing that I'm one of 5%, less than 5% of all physicians in the United States are black. At my own school, Washington State University, I was part of the first cohort of black students as well. And so with that, I was thinking about, wow, I'm one of the first, how I make sure I'm not the first and the only. And one of the things I kept noticing when I was in my classes was the lack of intersectionality when we talked about black population specifically. We would often say that black people have higher rates of asthma, but we wouldn't dive into what are the historical um, what are the historical reasons for that? How did redline contribute to that? How does pollution contribute to that? And pollution specifically in black communities because there's lack of access or because policies have literally been put in place that allows these corporations to be in those areas and put out pollution. And so I really started to think more about those types of deeper thoughts and realizing that they, we, weren't, we didn't often link them together in our medical school classes. But I think what really start, made me start posting online was an article I saw about these things called pulse oximeters. Someone has shared it on their Instagram story. And essentially, um, the study showed that pulse oximeters can overestimate oxygen saturation in Black individuals by up to three times the amount. So that means if someone comes in and actually has an oxygen saturation of ninety uh, of ninety eight percent, or sorry, of ninety percent, so a low oxygen saturation, it can read as higher, and that shocked me because I just finished my pulmonology unit and I'd never heard about that in darker skin, and so I made a video on TikTok of all places um, because that's where people were at the time. Um, I made a video on TikTok, and within twenty four hours, it had gotten two hundred thousand views. And there was comments, thousands of comments from doctors and nurses and students saying, I use this every single day or I use it for myself and I never knew about this. And that just signaled to me that there was a gap in this space to be able to talk about healthcare disparities and how they specifically impact populations. So that episode was the first of what I call my racial bias in medicine series. I've now done over 15 episodes of that, but I, I talk about the whole range of health disparities and have made over 500 videos on so many things from the GFR equation to pulmonary function tests to hidden medical history to people like Henrietta Lacks um, that often don't get their stories fully told to this new generation. Absolutely. Wow, that is tremendous work. And I applaud you for it. Um, I think that, you know, you set a, a high bar and you set an example for the work that really needs to be done, right? So um, inclusive of obviously increasing the number of people who go into medicine who look like you and I, right? Number one, but then number two, um, equipping those of us who are in those spaces to be able to talk about and share and educate around healthcare disparity and um, healthcare inequities and to really do a deeper dive into it. Um, I know, it used to, yeah, it used to burn me up all the time when I was, um, now this is, you know, 20 years ago, I'm dating myself, but when I was on rounds and you know, the, the talk would be every time someone in a marginalized group didn't meet a mark, right? So their A1C level was high or their blood pressure was high. They were always looked at as non-compliant, right? They're not taking mm. their medications and not listening. You know, that's the reason why, you know, they are in the space that they are. Instead of yes. looking at all those parameters that you were just talking about, the social, the economic, right? Yep. Um, the, the psychological, the all of that plays a, a yeah. part in the impact. So 
Yeah, so great, great work. And thank you for, again, for all that you're doing. Hey, leading ladies, stay right there and we will be back with my amazing guests. This conversation is so good that you don't want to miss it. So stay tuned. I am ecstatic to have been involved with an organization that stands behind their vision of reimagining healthcare. NMF's constant effort in raising awareness for this community is so notable. I joined them at the Gratitude Gala this past November 5th, 2022, where there were key stakeholders, members, and supporters driving their mission forward. We hope that you will continue to help us in this mission of reimagining healthcare, and you can do so by going to nmfonline.org forward slash reimagine. That's nmfonline.org forward slash reimagine. Are you ready to deliver your message directly to the ears of your audience? Well, Coffee and C-Suite Conversations are many episodes that give you a chance to do just that. We work with you to create a captivating conversation about your company and expertise and engage you with listeners who are aligned with your mission. As part of this campaign, you get a dedicated mini podcast inserted into several of our episodes. You also get a social media campaign and a file to insert on your own website. So what are you waiting for? Ready to give a voice to your brand? For more information, go to justtherightbalance.com forward slash coffee convo. That's justtherightbalance.com forward slash coffee C-O-F-F-E-E, Convo, C-O-N-V-O. We look forward to working with you. Hey there, leading ladies, it's Dr. Lisa. Thanks for hanging in with me. Now back to our amazing interview. And this brings me to my next question about diversity in healthcare, you know, which you're already talking about and why it's Mm -hmm. important. And that's one of obviously the focus of NMF is really increasing the number of BIPOC healthcare workers in order to yep. reduce healthcare disparities. So what is your view on that? How do you how do you feel like, you know, continuing in this movement will help to really make an impact? Yeah. I always say that increasing the diversity in medicine isn't just um, necessary, it's life-saving. And there's multiple studies you can point to to think about that. The first is the one that shows that racial concordance in medicine actually can improve maternal mortality, can improve infant mortality. So there was a study done and it showed essentially that when black doctors took care of mothers that were pregnant, um, uh, who were going through birth, infant mortality decreased by 50%, especially in complicated cases. And while the research, there needs to be more research done about why that was, whether it was mothers felt more comfortable or maybe there was just like um, more uh, adherence actually going to prenatal care visits, all that kind of stuff is stuff that needs to be looked into more. It's, it's undeniable that there was a specific impact on that. And then two, I think I, I talk a lot about how racism is still embedded in medicine. And I think when you don't have people within the system from diverse communities uh, being able to look into the system, you can't start to root out where it's happening. 
One example of that is with the GFR equation, glomerular filtration rate. The GFR essentially measures how well your kidneys are functioning. A high GFR level means your kidneys work well. Low GFR means your kidneys don't work as well. Unfortunately, for decades, there had been an equation that essentially multiplied the GFR equation only for Black patients, only for Black patients, no one else. And that meant it assumed that all Black patients had better kidney functioning than any other race. And when you looked at the research as to why that was, it, it was based on an assumption that all Black people had higher muscle mass than other races, which is not true. Being Black is not a monolith, like not right. all Black people are the same, right? Yet that's what the equation was exactly doing. And it's only, it was only in 2020 that a, a call was, an alarm was raised, and it was by Black physicians who were there that said, this doesn't make sense to me, right? Why have we always done it this way? Why are we using a Black and non-Black equation, no other race? Um, and why do we have this multiplier, which could be masking people that need care? Um, and so it was Black physicians who recognized this, that advocated for it, that worked with the Kidney Institute and have now gotten a new equation that doesn't include race. Right. So I think when you look at it from that perspective as well, that when you have a more diverse cohort, you're able to go through these decades long research that has often ignored marginalized communities and start to rewrite it so that it works better for the future system. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I agree with you 100%. Um, and was sitting here basically just shaking my head because, you know, obviously having uh, seen and heard of those studies as well and realizing still how far we have to, to go in terms of um, evening the, the playing field. Um, so what three tips would you give our listeners who may want to get involved? Like, you know, doing what you're doing, you know, getting out there, educating, um, you know, dismantling myths, um, you know, trying to really make an impact in terms of the healthcare disparities. What three tips would you give our listeners about how they could help? Where would they even begin? What would you recommend? Yeah, so I'm of this like generation between Gen Z and millennial. I call myself a zillennial. <laughs> so I my first instinct is to use social media or to use like right. the internet in order to figure out what already exists. That's how I got started. I saw this article on Pulse Oximeters. I said, why, why is this not more talked? Why isn't this talked about more? And so figuring out a like who's doing the work out there already, whether that's finding people on Twitter or on Instagram or even on TikTok that are talking about these kind of issues, get plugged in, figure out what's going on. Two, figure out um, what is it that you think you can bring to it? Or maybe there's not enough people writing about it in more of a, a general media space. Does that mean going to the New York Times and writing an op-ed? Is that finding your own personal story and trying to figure out how do I add my voice to the conversation so that can, it can make a difference? So one, so like figure out where it exists right now Two, figure out what your unique ad is. And then three, just do it. I think so many people get really bogged down by just the, oh my gosh, it seems so daunting where I begin. But everyone started at, at somewhere, right? What you didn't start, for me, I didn't start at 600,000 followers. I started at zero. And I made a video that I was passionate about not thinking I'd ever get there, but it's incremental growth and people will come. If you build it, they will come. And especially when you find those gaps in these conversations, health equity is such a huge space because there's so many conversations we have not had within it. And so I'd say to anyone that wants to do it, just do it. Start adding your voice to that conversation because we need you. I like that. Just do it. I always say that action, right? Just jump in there and 
you know, you can't be afraid about what the, the what ifs, you just have to kind of take the stance and, and, uh, and do it. So thank you so much for um, taking time out to talk with us about um, all the great work that you're doing. Um, I'm definitely going to um, continue to follow you. I'm going to share your work as well. I think it's just so very important. So for those of um, the listeners, you know, who are listening to this podcast, where can they find you on social media? Yeah, so it's really easy. It's my name, at Joelle Burvell, J-O-E-L-B-E-R-V-E-L-L. And I want to also make sure to send out a shout out to the National Medical Fellowships um, because it's been a huge, huge help in my own journey as well. Um, I was able through through the grant to start a mentorship program at my own at my own medical school, and it's one of the first. It was actually the first mentorship program in my cohort in Vancouver, Washington. So now we actually work with a school called Henrietta Lacks High School, and I think oh, the, the poetry of that. Yeah, poetry of that is not lost on me. I, I love that. Was one of the reasons why I chose this school and the Henrietta Lacks family is actually involved in the school too. They had to give the blessing for the school to be named after it. Um, and so I think there's just a lot of poetry in the fact that NMF is supporting this incredible mentorship program that's now started, has been happening for three years at Henrietta Lacks High School, relates so much to health equity. And I think it's just, it really brings it all together. Full circle moment. That Absolutely. is beautiful. That is beautiful. And yeah, I can remember just when I actually read the book in Henrietta Lacks mm -hmm. and just, yep. you know, being a medical student, I didn't remember that story at all. That's her story wasn't shared or told. I mean, to know, you know, how much has come up from, um, you know, from her, I'm not going to go into the full story in case someone wants to read, actually read the book, but I would definitely, you know, recommend that book for everyone to read. Um, because it has such a um, historical context in terms of even where we are today in terms of medicine. Um, yes. So thank you for, again for all the work that you're doing. Um, continue doing it, continue striving, continue pushing forward. I'm so um, grateful that um, NMF you know, is supporting students like yourself and continuing to, um, to push the needle in terms of healthcare diversity. I look forward to all the great things that you're gonna do in the future. And I look forward to spending um, some more time with you this weekend during the, the gala event. Absolutely, thank you so much. It was a great conversation. You're welcome. It's time for physicians to rise up, step out, stand out, and take back our place in healthcare to be the respected voice and leader in our communities. My mission is to help physicians transition into leadership roles by equipping them with the personal and professional development skills that they need to be successful and also to help them care for themselves physically, mentally, and spiritually. If you have experience practicing in your given specialty, if you have a gift for innovation and building teams, if you have the ability to bring about change in others, if you have solved problems in your practice setting or community, then there are organizations that need you to claim your rightful seat at the table and lead. If you are ready to be a leader in healthcare and change the status quo, then I invite you to book a complimentary strategy discovery session with me at schedulewithdrlisa.com. That's schedulewithdrlisa.com.
Thank you for listening today and for allowing me to be a part of your career journey. To continue receiving leadership support, I invite you to join our private Facebook group, Building Women Physician Leaders at www.leadingladiesincharge.com. Until next time, take care. If you enjoy podcasts like this, you should check out our author shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Better with Dr. Erica, hosted by Dr. Erica, provides support and guidance in navigating stress-related challenges to transform your relationship to self-care. Each episode arms you with the tools needed to be better, do better, and live better. There was an incredible episode that you should check out called Touch and Connections as Tools for Healing and Better Mental Health. In this episode, her guest breaks down ways to use physical touch as a form of healing for trauma and grief. Check out Better with Dr. Erica on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com.